Hi, this is Chris Nessie from the House of EdTech podcast. Welcome to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. I used to produce and edit the Google Teacher Podcast, hosted by Matt Miller and Casey Bell. You can enjoy the podcast once again, and be sure to visit the new website, chrisnessy.com slash googleteacherpod. Please note that any of the show note links mentioned in the episodes are no longer valid, but if you go to chrisnessy.com, dot com slash Google Teacher Pod, you can search the archive and check out the show notes for each and every episode of the Google Teacher Podcast. Thank you for your continued support, and may the Googles be with you. Hey everybody, Chris Nessie here from the House of EdTech Podcast and founder of the Education Podcast Network. Did you know that according to Edison Research, one in five Americans listen to podcasts every month? Even though podcasts are growing quickly and are available in more places than ever before, some people still don't know how to listen or where to start. So what I'm asking you to do here in March of 2018 is to go and tell people on social media about the podcast you love, like this one. And when you do it, use the hashtag tripod, that's T-R-Y-P-O-D, and let people know about the great podcast that you're listening to and why you listen to them. Welcome to the Google Teacher Tribe Podcast, your source for the latest news on Google for education, tips, tricks, and teaching ideas you can use in class tomorrow. And here are your hosts, Matt Miller from DitchThatTextbook.com and Casey Bell from ShakeUpLearning.com. tribe and welcome to episode 45 of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. And by now you probably know that Casey and I love more than anything else probably uh, seeing some of the things that we talk about on this podcast being put into practice. And sometimes all we have to do is go to the GT Tribe hashtag to find some of those. And we just recently ran across something from Google Teacher Tribe regular Laura Steinbrink a teacher from Missouri. And based on our recent Google Like a Pirate episode that we just did last week, uh, that one got put into place immediately. And so Laura had her students doing something that she called root word raps or word root raps. Basically, she she had her kids do these uh, tweet-sized Raps, and they were supposed to use the word root words, and um, this was all inspired in part by our uh, Google like pirate. She shared some examples of them, and Casey and I were thinking this might be a good opportunity for us to bust out our rapping skills or lack thereof, and uh, actually perform one of these. What I do you think, think Casey? I said you should perform it. Isn't that what I said? What? Wait, wait, we're not going to do that. Not right now. Not once we've clicked record. You can't go back on your words. We're going to do this. The together. legendary Jimmy Matt is going. <laughs> no. Okay. Oh I, I, I will do this. Although I, this is like sight reading okay. here. So. <laughs> yeah, it, is. it is. That's right. So it's not going to be pretty. And we need to get a little beatbox going first. Like a. <laughs> <laughs> that was really bad. Sorry. That's the best that I got today. All right. 
Okay, so you ready to do this, Casey? We're going to bounce back and forth on the lines here. All right, here goes. The words you're slinging are microscopic. You might want to take that back to hot topic. Might need to check because you can't see. You're being pretty idiotic. (laughs) (laughs) Did she tell us? Was that supposed to be to a certain like song or something? Because I think we kind of butchered it. Sorry about that, Laura. (laughs) I yeah. I'm more sorry for her student who wrote that. Who, thank goodness, she probably he or she will probably yeah, yeah. never. Yeah, I love this, that. So, so uh, that was sort of a twist on something that uh, Jimmy Fallon does with putting out those hashtag challenges, and he'll do that and force you to write, you know, some sort of song, like fall songs or whatever it is on, on Twitter. But it's so much fun, right. and yeah, we have fun reading other people's work. And thanks so much for sharing that with us, Laura. Yeah, yeah. And if you want to try something like what she did, she said this was a 144 character uh, root word rap. So we'll be curious to see if anybody else comes up with anything similar to that. So uh, now that we're done revisiting last week's show, Casey, what are we going to do this week? We're going to talk about some Google hacks. How's that? Google hacks. Tell us about what are Google hacks? What do you mean? Just some fun stuff, just, you know, things that either make your life easier, make Google a little bit more fun or, you know, just tips and tricks that that we kind of love. So so we're we're going to get our hacking on today. Is that is that a thing? I think I just I, I think I just said that. So it, it's out there. Yep. Yep. Let's do it. So to kick off our Google news and updates for this episode, we're going to be talking about two of my favorite Google tools all in one announcement, and it has to do with Google Keep and Google Drawings. So if you're not familiar with Google Keep, it's kind of like digital sticky notes that go with you wherever your Google account goes, and Google Drawings is kind of like a a digital poster board of sorts. What we've been able to do in the past and then the fairly recent past is that we can use the notes that we keep in Google Keep and we can drag them over into uh, Google Docs and Google Slides. And just recently, they added integration with Google Drawings. Yay! So what that means is that we can pull our little notes, our text notes, our image-based notes, our links, whatever, out of our Google Keep. It's all integrated into the Keep Notepad that you can access in the Tools menu from Google Drawings, and you just pull those over directly into your Google Drawings. So it's been pretty useful for Slides, and I thought since Slides is so similar to Google Drawings, I thought it's probably only a matter of time before Google Drawings gets the Google Keep Notepad added to it, and here you go. So well, that's first just of all, I'm, I'm really excited to see an update in Drawings. I feel like we don't really see anything happening, At which all, yeah. always kind of concerns me a little bit. But second, you know what this means, Matt? Our instant pot got What's a new that? trick. <laughs> it oh, did. it did. There's there a is new a button. New button. On the so uh, Google Keep keeps getting better and better. 
So yes. we also yes. have a, a few updates to Google Classroom, one of everybody's favorite tools. And the first piece that I think most people are going to care the most about are that you can go into your student's work and now email a full summary of an individual student's work from Google Classroom to the Guardian. So that's something a lot of people have been asking for. And the Guardian emails are nice, but you couldn't really customize it or do something for a specific student. So now you've got that ability built into Google Classroom. And you may notice a few other sort of subtleties that are changing in the interface. As you kind of click around, some things have sort of moved. Or you, Actually, I'm finding things in multiple places now, which I think is a good thing you can kind of, you know, like you can now control how students post and comment from the stream and you don't have to go into um, the students tab and, and things like that. So I, they're just sort of subtle and they haven't really outlined all of those updates quite yet. But I think you will see those probably by the time this airs in the Google Classroom update page, which we have linked in our show notes Casey, I know you know this, that uh, the Google Classroom team really does take all of the feedback that you as teachers and all of us as educators uh, leave through the little button in the bottom right-hand corner of Google Classroom, the little question mark button where you can leave feedback. And certainly, I'll bet a lot of these uh, updates have come from those kinds of things. So if you ever have any suggestions on how to improve any of those tools, I know that the the Googlers at the Googleplex, they, they actually do read them and take them into serious consideration. And to kind of go along with the the updates, the sort of the facelift to Google Classroom, uh, you may have noticed that docs and slides and sheets and drawings has also gotten a little bit of a facelift where the the menu, especially the header at the top of the page and the menus and everything have all uh, changed around just a little bit. I know um, the organization within the drop down menus is a little bit different. I know the one that I, I noticed the most is when I click on the insert menu now, image is right up at the very, very top, which I think is a good thing because that seems to be the thing that I insert through that menu the most. But it's def- definitely taking some time for me to to get used to that new location. But I know the uh, icons that show who's in your document are a little different. Now they're circles instead of squares. And the the chat that you can use to interact with people in the document has been kind of bundled together with that. And now you know that there's there's something different if you haven't noticed it already. Yeah. So I hadn't actually realized what you just said about the insert menu. Now I can't remember what was at the top. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't know either. <laughs> but I do know that Images used to be about three or four yeah, or five down. Yeah, you're right. So, and, you know, the, the first thing that I noticed was when the share button loaded, it was lonely. It used to have the comment button right next to it. And now it's got a little comment bubble. And then and then the little icons have sort of this show chat option. So so things are shifting around, but, uh, you know, I, updates are, are a good thing. And we're streamlining and making things work better. So... Nice updates coming, although they haven't officially announced these. These little things just kind of keep creeping in and and we discover them. And if you discover something new, please share that as well so we can all learn from each other, of course. Now, um, the last update we have to share, guess what it has to do with? It wouldn't be something that we always talk about. I feel like this is almost like a game. Like we almost 
have some sort of update or share in every episode from Google Arts and Culture. It just it just has its way of making it in, and it's a, a very awesome project tool. All of it, all built in together. But this is pretty awesome here. The title of, mm-hmm. of the blog post was "With Just a Flick of a Wand." Harry Potter. A History of Magic is on Google Arts and Culture. So Potter fans can unite and fellow students at Hogwarts uh, can now <laughs> come together and visit the entire history of magic from the Harry Potter world. So it's pretty cool. It's uh, the British Library exhibition that they've got here. They've got the story of Harry Potter, the journey of Harry Potter, and to <laughs> experience the magic. So we've got the Carlin brothers meeting uh, the British librarians, Julian Harrison. And it, it's a it's a audio or I mean, a video that you can watch here and see what they're doing. All kinds of fun stuff. Ten strange facts about the history of magic. So for all of Mm -hmm. your students who uh, sort of obsess over all of the Harry Potter books and learning about the entire history here, this is a unique little collection that they put into Google Arts and Culture. Yeah, um, I was flipping through some of the images they've got, and they've actually got the J.K. Rowling's original sketch of what she envisioned the Hogwarts grounds to look like, kind of like an overhead map view that she drew with her own hand. I think that's pretty cool, too. So, yeah. So if you want to check those out or anything else related to these news and updates, you can go to googleteachertribe.com slash 45. Hey, Tribe, let's jump into some fun Google hacks. You know, there are so many amazing things that we can do with Google and G Suite. And Matt and I love sharing our favorite tips and tricks. In fact, sometimes we have a hard time uh, getting our list down to a manageable level for each episode because there's just so much that we want to share. So we have a few things that we wanted to show you that can make life easier or maybe spice up some of the things that you're doing inside Google and just some some easy tips and tricks. So Matt, what's the first one we have that we're going to share today? Well, this is one uh, very much the the definition of hack of being a sort of like an unintuitive or a non-traditional use. And that is to use Google Hangouts as a document cam of sorts. So if you've ever wanted to use a document camera or wanted to kind of like display what's going on, you know, whatever you're working on with your hands or on your desk or something. Um, a really neat way to do that is to use Hangouts. I don't know if you've ever thought of doing a video call to yourself. Uh, the way that I've always done this before is I'll use two different Google accounts and I'll log into one of them using my phone and I'll log into another one using my computer that's connected to a projector. And so what I'll do is I will call my computer hooked up to the projector with my phone on a Google Hangout uh, video call. And so once that's up there, then I can take that Hangout video call and move it onto the projector. And then I can use my phone and I'll point the camera from my phone at whatever it is that I want to show everybody. So this could be useful for you know, putting something up on the screen for kids to see that's there on your, on your desk or... Um, 
you know, even like going around the building and showing people something. I mean, there's there's sort of a variety of ways that you could do this, but it is one sort of quick and easy way to create a document cam with devices that you might already have. And another way to do that is to if you if you have something kind of like a box or something that could hold that um, that device up above your uh, document, then that could some way to immobilize it and hold it in place. Then you have both of your hands free. So anyway, just kind of a, a, a hack of sorts to create a document cam out of things that you already may have. That's a great idea. I hadn't really thought of that, but you know, how great would it be to get close up on an experiment or some manipulatives or something you're yeah. trying to do whole class? Yeah. So great little lesser known use there of Google Hangouts. So the next thing I wanted to share, we've, I think we've sort of mentioned this in an earlier episode, but not specifically how it could be used. And of course there are many uses, but Chrome extensions. Yay. Love Yay. Chrome. So there is an emoji extension and, you know, we have an emoji loving world these days, don't we? We can put emojis anywhere on the web with this extension. So if we want to add emojis to our lessons, to our activities, if students want to create and add emojis to the things that they're doing, but I, w- I want to talk to you about a couple of ways maybe you haven't thought of using those emojis. So the first one is you can use emojis to spice up your Google Drive. So if you remember back to a, a really early episode that we had with Jen Giffen, she showed us how to uh, beautify our Google Drive. But you can actually add those little emojis in front of your file names. So you can copy and paste those in on your files, on your folders, and just kind of bring it to life. And sometimes that I like that because it's it will bring some folders to the top instead of just being in alphabetical order as well. And uh, another way that I've seen this used um, by the fabulous Tony Benton is he will use emojis in Google Classroom. So he'll put the emojis next to topics. He'll put the emojis next to assignments. He'll put, he puts them everywhere, but it's a great visual, especially if you're consistent in the way that you use them and not just using emojis for emoji's sake, <laughs> hmm. that you can put them just about anywhere and and sort of spice up Google Drive and Google Classroom. You know, I've even seen within Classroom where you can do emoji poetry, where if you give someone a question and answer, uh, add one of those to your classroom, and then they, they respond by summing up the chapter that they just read or the book that they just read or the discussion they just had in six emojis. And so they use an extension kind of like that. They actually submit their assignment with emojis instead of words. So, you know, lots, lots of uses for emojis. I'm going to back Casey up on that one. So another hack that you can use has to do with one of my favorite tools, Google Drawings. We were just talking about Google Drawings in the news and updates and how it integrates with Google Keep now. And there's something you can add to your Google Drawings that doesn't show up in the insert menu. And that is a video. Um, I know sometimes it's nice to be able to add videos to your Google Drawings. If people are going to see that Google Drawing on the screen, if they're going to access the the file on the screen and not download it as an image. Um, so if people are able to do that, then being able to play a video in Google Drawings could be really useful. So there's a way around this, and here's how you do it. Basically, you open up Google Slides. Just create a brand new Google Slides presentation or open up an old one. And you can insert a video there. 
So you just go to insert video, you put the video onto your slide, click on that video and copy it. I know it doesn't even seem like it's possible, like this is going to work, but it does. So you click on it and you copy it and just use control C or, you know, right click copy, switch back over to your Google Drive and paste it and boom, there it is. There are so many similarities between Google Drawings and Google Slides. And I think, um, I wonder if maybe they didn't put the video in the Google Drawings menu because they didn't think people would use it. But because they're so similar, it still it still allows it. So that's your little hack if you want to add a video to your Google Drawings. Mic drop. Right? Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. So I'm going to move over to some URL tricks. And I will tell you, you know, there, I've used several of these over the years. And I have recently learned some new ones from my friend, Tony Vincent. Yes, I'm talking about him again. If you don't follow Tony, you <laughs> should. Learninginhand.com. Mm -hmm. But Tony has... Um, he has an amazing way of communicating things visually. And I really don't think anybody does it better. And I've linked to his document URL tricks page. And, and it's in our show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash 45. But I'm just going to give you an idea of how these work. So if you're new to this, let me let me start from the beginning. So what we're talking about is the actual link to your doc sheets, slides, whatever you're working on. Inside that link is the word edit when it's your file and you're editing that document. Now, that word can be interchanged with some other words to help you do other things. And so the first way that I learned how to use this was to force people to make a copy of something, right? Uh, probably sort of that story about telling kids how to make a copy and teaching adults how to make a copy. That's a, something everybody needs to know how to do. But sometimes we need to sort of prompt people. You, you need to make a copy of this. Mm -hmm. So to do that, you replace the word edit with the word copy, and then you copy and paste that link wherever you want it to go. So a lot of the links that Matt and I share on our blogs are oftentimes make a copy links so that people can, can automatically make a copy and add it to their drive. Now, keep in mind, no matter what you do to that link, sharing rules still apply. So you still have to make sure that you've at least shared anyone with the link can view. And, and to use that, these, these little tricks, because nobody's going to be able to access your private document if it's still private. Yeah, the, these are so, so useful. And um, Tony mentions in this uh, blog post that you linked to, and I've done this myself before, uh, sometimes people will give me a link that forces me to make a copy. And so it loads up and it says, would you like to make a copy of this? And I'm going, I haven't even seen it yet. It kind of kind of sounds like, um, you know, somebody wants to move forward in your relationship on the first date. You know, it's like I haven't even <laughs> seen the document yet. I don't know if I want to make a copy. Do I want to add this to my Google Drive yet? And so what I'll do is I'll go up to that uh, URL, that link, and I'll delete the word copy out and I'll add in preview or I'll add in edit and change it back to the way that it was originally so I can look at it before I decide that I want to copy it. So you can always kind of reverse engineer those two, which is which is pretty nice. So. Yes. And, and, and part of that problem, like you said, you don't get to preview what it is you're making a copy of. And sometimes, you know, or, you know, sometimes it's in class and the teacher tells you right. to use that. Right. But, uh, you know, other times we're really using those as templates 
so that we can share things like the magnetic poetry and things that I have yeah. on my blog. Yeah. And I want teachers to, to use that as a template. Well, Tony introduced me to the template link and I did a blog post on it because um, it did pretty much blow my mind when I learned how to do this. So instead of the word edit, you're going to write template slash preview and you get a preview window with that use template button. Boom. There yeah. it is. Yeah. You can use it. You can make a copy of it, except it's not really making a copy. It will name it whatever it's named. It won't say make a copy of anymore, which I love because that begins to drive me crazy too. Mm-hmm. But it's just like using a, a template. Now, the one thing I have noticed with this is it's not a perfect solution on mobile. So just throwing that out there, I, I haven't I've had a few things where it doesn't work quite as well. So there's still some uses where I will put make a copy, but now I'm finding that I'll 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 set up both for people and they can choose which one they want. Make a copy or yeah. use the template. Yeah, that's a good idea. And that copy of thing annoys me too. Have you ever noticed when people make a copy of a copy of a copy of something? It's in the <laughs> file name and it says copy of copy of copy of this. Document. Yes. Like really, <laughs> we need to make the madness stop on that. So yes, clean up your. Google Drive, people. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> so the last hack that we have, this is an add-on that I love uh, from Gmail, and it's called Boomerang. Uh, what Boomerang lets you do is it lets you it, it lets you do several things, but the thing I like the most about it is that you can schedule your emails to be sent at a different time. And I was introduced to this idea by reading the book The Four Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss, and he talked about how you can be more efficient in your day if you. Don't send your email. This almost sounds like an antisocial thing, but it's it's an efficiency thing. We're going to call it that at least. Um, that if you don't send your emails at the time when somebody is likely to be sitting at their desk, because if you start to do that and they respond immediately back to you and you respond immediately back to them, an email seems less like a digital letter and seems more like an instant messaging chat. And so then you can get sucked into lots of extra communication when you have stuff to do. So if you use Boomerang to schedule your email, you know, not like your time sensitive emails, but schedule an email to go to be sent at seven o'clock that night instead of during normal school hours, then you won't get that response back until the next day. You can get your emails done and you can get on with the rest of your life. Love Boomerang. It definitely has some some perks there. And, you know, you can plan ahead. Like if you know you need to send a reminder about something, but you don't need to send it that day. It's always great to to sort of just get that scheduled and get it out of the way. Now, can I share one more URL hack yes, here? Yes. So I'm going to back up because this because this one's just too cool because this was another one that I think is lesser known. Like most people knew the make copy thing. A few people knew the template one. But did you know you can change the link so that it forces people to or forces it, it automatically downloads a PDF version mm. of a Google Doc or a Google Sheet? Yes. It's Super cool. So what you're actually going to do is instead of the word edit, again, you're going to take that out. And so the, it's it's a little bit different. Tony's got the step-by-step directions, but in Google Docs or Google Sheets, you put export question mark 
format equals PDF. I know that probably sounds really weird. And if you're driving down the road right now, that's even weirder <laughs> to try to remember that. So you're going to want to go to the show notes, I promise you. Um, but And this one is a little special. So the one for slides and drawings is, is slightly different. It's export slash PDF, which is a little bit easier to remember. But how awesome is that? Because a lot of times we just need that quick PDF document to share with someone else. PDFs are the most universally accepted file format and almost any device can read it. So PDFs come in handy. And I just wanted to share that last one again um, from, from all of these different little URL hacks that are so handy. Yeah, that's a good one. And we're always curious to hear what your Google infused hacks are. So feel free to share those with us on the GT Tribe hashtag. And of course, you can find all of our stuff uh, from this episode at our show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash 45. All right, folks, it's time for the mailbag. And do we have a gem for you? A gem, G-E-M, not gem like Jimmy Matt. Uh, a gem to share with you to kick all of this off. This is from Sienna Griggs. And she had a an adorable moment with her students um, as she was teaching them about some googly things. You got to listen to this. All right. So we were in as a class, we were going over um, how to log into our Gmail accounts and then go into our Google Drives. One of the first lessons was how to make a copy of something. This was last year. I go over what we're doing. I say, okay, you know, this is, I have my copy. You're going to have your copy. This is how you do it. You go to file, click make a copy. The students go about their business. They start doing it. And one of the kids starts jumping up and he starts heading out the door. And I go, Hayden, what are you doing? He goes, oh, well, I'm, I'm going to get my copy. And I said, what? He goes, well, yeah, I mean, we just, we just made a copy. I'm going to get my copy off the printer. At that point, I realized we were uh, in for a quick lesson on what it means to make a copy on Google Drive versus what we typically think of as making a copy for a majority of people. Anyway, that was pretty funny. Oh my goodness. Is that the cutest thing you've ever heard? I have to go get my copy. What are you doing? I'm going to get my copy. Oh, I can totally see this happening though. I I get so used to the words that I use and what they mean now to me that I have forgotten that so many kids hang on to that. And, uh, you know, and I imagine in many classrooms, it's still, will you go pick up the copy off the printer? You know, like that's, that's a job. And so in their heads, that's how they're seeing it. So I can totally see this. And I bet many other teachers have very similar stories, but this just cracked me up. Thank you so much, Sienna, for sharing that with us. Now, we also love to see things that you learn from this podcast being used in the classroom, and especially when they they can be used so quickly after the episode has aired. And we have a share from Twitter from Amanda Williamson, and she took the idea for adding captions to Google Drawings and posted a picture of her students adding some captions to their solar system. So I always love seeing student work and seeing pictures of students doing different things. And so this is really fun. The kids are actually, I think, giving uh, true like words to the planets, which is pretty hilarious too. like what, what they would say. 
But uh, I, I love this. So thank you so much for sharing this, Amanda. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great one. I love whenever I see kids do creative things with images and Google drawings. One of my favorite favorite uses of Google. All right, so this one comes from Carol McLaughlin, who is a second grade teacher in Alabama, and I love the focus that she has on this. She says. One of our math standards is to create a bar graph, and the activities I found for this have always been so low level that I decided to go in a different direction. And I just want to stop there and say the fact that she realized that they were low level and she was willing to just try something different, I think that is fantastic. So she gets a standing ovation for me just for doing that. So here's what she did. It says, I had my students work in pairs to create a question that they wanted to use to poll students in our school grades K through five. And I'm thinking bar graph poll questions. This sounds like a perfect fit. The pairs then created the poll question along with grade level so that we can interpret the data with Google Forms, Google Forms being the survey tool. Then they looked at the pie chart created in Google Forms with all of the data to create a bar graph in Google Sheets. And we did this over a week. So my students were comparing the data from day to day to notice the changes and the trends because as more people take the survey, you know, the data updates and they got to see how it changed. Finally, they printed their bar graphs and added questions for classes or individual students to read and answer as the survey results were read. And then this is so cool. She said that she printed it out. And at first I'm like, oh, do you really need to print it? Well, yes. And here's why. She says, we posted the graphs and questions in common places that classes needed to stop for activities. This was so much richer than a worksheet and totally driven by student interest. And plus, the whole school was able to practice reading graphs and answering questions. So, Carol, love this idea. This is awesome. And kudos to you and your students for doing it. Yes, love it. And the fact that second graders are using Google Sheets, they're analyzing right. data. It, it's it's amazing because I know some adults who cannot do this. So it is a great skill and more needed than ever with the amount of data that we have in our world. So I love this this lesson. And thank you so much for sharing that with us, Carol. Our next uh, our next feedback here, actually, it's a question, comes from Kelly Davis. And Kelly filled out our form online and she says, Hi, Matt and Casey. Love your podcast. I have a question for you. I'm a chemistry teacher and have been using Google Forms for homework practice questions for my students so that they can check their understanding. I teach organic chemistry, so we do lots of drawing. Often words are not very useful. I really like Google Forms because of the feedback option. I can give explanations why an answer is wrong or right. I can add pictures to questions, but I would like to add pictures to feedback. So she wants her drawings, not a URL. Is this an option? And so she she's included a link to her problem that she has shared with us so we can see it. Of course, I'm already like I taught words. I did not I did not teach organic mm-hmm. chemistry, but I definitely understand where she's coming from with this and how great it would be to leave a, a drawing as feedback. So I, nothing is immediately coming to mind that would not be a link other than taking a picture of, of the drawing and, of course, uploading it to Drive, which means it is a link. But that's that's the only thing I can think of right now that would work in forms. Uh, anything else coming t- to mind for you, you know, Matt? 
You know, one. Um, one thing that I started thinking about was getting outside of the the Google sphere and using a tool called Formative, uh, GoFormative.com. Now, I'm I'm not I'm kind of like browsing through it now to see. I don't think that you can do images as your feedback in this, though, um, although it does kind of combine a lot of the things that she was wanting to do with forms. So that could be another option, but I don't think that it totally gets there either. So, and that's the best thing I can come up with too. Right. So I, I'd like to put this out to the tribe. Now it sounds like she's really in love with forms, but you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking she's probably open to, to moving on, but the, the option to do the feedback when they get an answer wrong or right in the quizzes feature of forms, I think is sort of what she's, she's latching onto here. But if anybody else has ideas, please share that with us on, on Twitter um, and tag Matt and I, so we can help Kelly figure this out. Okay, y'all, just a couple more shares from the blogosphere. So I want to share with you today a post that I have put out there on dynamic learning with G Suite. And it's it's a pretty lengthy post, but it is loaded with some student-centered strategies, ideas, lesson ideas. And you can go grab that from my blog, but there are ideas for helping students set their own goals, building a continuous learning mindset, student voice and choice, sharing with the world, all to help empower our wonderful learners that we have in our classrooms. And Matt, you've got some pretty cool things to share too. Yeah, yeah. I um, have a post that I did just recently called Five Google Drawings Features That You Probably Don't Know About, probably in parentheses, um, because Again, going back to Google Drawings, which is kind of a common thread throughout this entire episode today, um, some of the coolest features I've found are the things that are just not immediately obvious to you. And some of them feel like they're kind of hiding in plain sight. And so, um, in fact, one of the five that I have in this post has to do with the adding a video to Google Drawings. Uh, so it's kind of stuff like that. There's a tutorial video that goes along with it that walks you through all five of them, plus a couple of bonus ones. So that's something that you also might want to check out too. All right, folks. So hopefully you've got some new hacks that you can start using to Google and make you a little more efficient, maybe uh, give you some new options of things to do in the classroom or just on your own. And um, again, like we said before, we'll be really curious to see what your hacks are that you use with Google. So make sure you that you tweet those to the GT tribe hashtag. And so other than that, that pretty much wraps us up for episode 45 of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. We will see you on the next episode. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening to the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. Keep up with every new episode by subscribing on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, and by visiting GoogleTeacherTribe.com. Get in on the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag GTTribe. Until next time, keep harnessing the G Suite power, and may the Googles be with you. Hello, Chris. I'm your father. Got this like low thing going on in my voice right now.
I'm not really your father, Chris. That's a relief. That would be really weird. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yep. Okay. Keep it real. Yay! Google Keep keeps getting better, better. Hooray. I posted a post with the post. Yeah! Yep, yep, let's do it. I posted a post with the post. That's a relief. See you on the next episode. Bye, y'all. Bye, y'all. Bye, y'all. Bye, y'all. Bye, y'all. Thank you once again for listening to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. For the latest on Matt Miller, be sure to visit his website, ditchthattextbook.com. For the latest on Casey Bell, be sure to visit her website, shakeuplearning.com. And to keep up with me and get the latest in education technology, be sure to visit my website, chrisnessy.com. And I invite you to listen to the House of EdTech podcast.